Imagine, if you will, a journey through the intriguing landscape of investment possibilities. As we travel this mystical realm together, we stumble upon a hidden treasure trove of financial wonders, the realm of monthly dividend stocks. These are the enchanting equities that reward investors with regular monthly payouts. Today, we unveil the top 10 monthly dividend stocks that hold the power to weave a tapestry of financial security and otherworldly returns. So prepare to be spellbound as we reveal these captivating stocks that can turn your investing experience into a truly magical adventure. Don't touch that dial. You have been whisked away to the land of not Twilight Zone. I was feeling a bit of a Twilight zone kind of mood, so... I had my buddy, ChatGPT, help me write that little intro right there. And hey, we, we put something together that I hope you enjoyed to kick off this next podcast episode of the Dapper Dividends podcast episode number 185, I believe. How are you doing? Thank you for coming back and letting me come into your ear holes once again for about 30 minutes or so. We'll try to make it quick-ish with enough information to send you on your way and help you become a better dividend investor and you know what you guys help me become a better dividend investor too so i guess we're just helping each other become better dividend investors and why do we want to be dividend investors well it's all about passive income right getting more of our time back getting you like that english right there huh you like that buddy huh huh throw back there to good old good old ace ventura I wanted to say Austin Powers, but I'm like, no, brain, it starts with an A. Hey, it's late. I had a hell of a day. Daddy had a hell of a day working today. Dirty, hot, sweaty, a lot of welding going on. But you know what? Quite honestly, I'd say about 75% of the time, I don't mind my job. It's it's those 25% times. I'm probably just like most of you. And it's been a long time. You know, I'm an expert at what I do. I've been doing it for almost 25 years now. Crazy. I believe it'll be 24 years. Yeah, it'll be 24 years this fall. You know what? It kind of makes me think of our portfolios and investing (laughs) of our portfolios that we need to be experts, I think. Spend more time, learn more, just be more comfortable with things. Like, you know, I've been buying more Target and I'm going to Florida. So this is actually Wednesday night. This will be released tomorrow, Thursday. I think I'll release it in the morning. But I went to Target to pick up a few last necessities. And for a Tuesday, no, Wednesday, see? it's For a Wednesday night, there was a good amount of cars in there. But I did notice a lot, a lot of young people, a lot of teens and what are they called? Gen Zers, millennials, probably Gen Zs and millennials and moms with kids were in Target. Didn't see any of the gay pride stuff, but I I got in and out. I was in like Flynn and out like a scout, but I had to get some pomade for my Florida trip. High hold, low shine pomade is the kind I wear and some bananas and anyways, but it's funny. I was just reading about Target that You got to be careful, and and I got to think about this too, is that the student loans are going to fire up again in the fall. It's going to affect a lot of those Gen Zers and millennials because they were not paying since, what, President Trump put the moratorium on it. 
So they think that's really going to impact a lot of retailers uh, and potentially the biggest one being Target because they do cater to a lot of those younger people that have student loan debt. So we'll see if that negatively impacts them going forward, might get some better prices. But like I said, they're not going out of business. They're going to be fine in the long run. It's just going to be a little bit shopping now. But you know what? I also stopped at the library, excited. I got a new book. Uh, it was something that I had seen mentioned in Richer, Wiser, Happier by William Green, which I love that book. Please read that book if you haven't. Run to your library. Walk. Don't know. Run. Don't walk to your library to get Richer, Wiser, Happier by William Green. <clears throat> Fantastic book. Really good. And one of the books he mentioned in there was by Robert Persig called Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. So I'm going to bring that on my trip. I'll be in Universal Studios Orlando on Friday. Uh, there's a possibility that I will be saying a quick hello to our friend Jeremy from DividendStockpile.com. He's down yonder there in the Tampa area, the region that they call the Bay of Tampa. But that's in the future. And right here, right now, I'm with you. You're with me. And I'm so happy that you're here letting me come into your ear holes once again. Really quick, I got to talk about this. And you know what? Maybe one of my talents in life will be able to draw analogies between anything and dividend investing. Because I was in the shower and WGN, by the way, WGN Radio, which is a Nexstar Media Group station. So shout out every time that I hear commercials that 1-800-CARS-FOR-KIDS. Hey, it may be an annoying earworm, but do they have 1-800-CARS-FOR-KIDS commercials where you're at? I guess you wouldn't know unless you listen to the radio. Not many people listen to the radio anymore. It's all on demand. But anyways, they were talking about this whole little submersible that's looking was going to see the Titanic, and I equated that to dividend investing because, first of all, these people paid $250,000 to go all in. Like, you're putting your life on the line and going all in from the quick rundown. It's this little thing that fits like, what, like six people or so, and there's no chairs. You have to sit down with your back against the wall, and it goes all the way. I think it takes like three hours or something to get all the way down to where the Titanic is, but... Honestly, you they said there's no bathrooms, you have to use Ziploc bags, there's no food and water, just like a sandwich and a bottle of water that you bring on. You sign all kinds of waivers where they, you know, list out all the things that could happen. If a pinhole, I think it was 15,000 PSI, well, I think it's like 15 or 20 PSI is on the, the hull of like a spaceship. But down there, where they're going, if you get a pinhole breach into the hull... It's instant implosion. Like, it is all over. And, I, you know, it's just crazy to me that even if they get to the surface, there's all kinds of, there's like things they can inflate. There's weights they can drop. They can get to the surface. But from what I understand is that you can only be unbolted from the outside. And I, I guess that's, they don't want people, I don't know, whatever it is to me. I said, this is an unnecessary risk. Why? Because 
I can look at the Titanic in HK from my couch in my living room pretty safe. I mean, you know, there's always the weird, wacky, wild thing that can happen to you. But I equated this to putting all of your portfolio for a day or two into like TSLY, which is the uh, the synthetic derivative on Tesla, or KLIP, which is like Chinese derivatives, tra- trading options on Chinese companies. Not smart. You know, maybe you want to, you know, take 100, 200 bucks into the casino and put it all on black or, you know, pick a number. But if you're playing roulette, that's your poison. That's your game of choice, of chance. Then so be it. But if, you know what I mean, it's just too big of a risk for me. And they said... The only window is this little window that, you know, you have to look out of at the Titanic. Dude, they didn't even have, like, GPS on there, any comms with the surface, other than, like, a little text message I think they said goes out. Bizarre. That they they basically have to guesstimate kind of, like, where, where they're going for it. So, I don't know. It just, it reminded me of why we don't want to put all our eggs in one basket. And by doing something that high risk, just to look out of a little window at the Titanic, I don't, I don't know. I guess, I guess you're there and it's, but whatever. Um, It kind of makes me think of, you can't, you're not going to be able to predict everything that happens. I was thinking of that today as uh, Jay Powell. Jay Powell said there's going to be more rate hikes, most likely. Market went down a little bit. That's all short term. I really don't pay much attention to the macro because we don't know what's going to happen, but we do know that good businesses are going to be good businesses. And like I've told you, I'm like a broken record. PepsiCo and Procter & Gamble, those companies, Coca-Cola, you name it, Colgate, Mondelez, you know what I mean? They're going to be around and there may be some short-term hiccups and bumps, but Man, don't even worry about it. It's all noise. It is all noise. And the best thing that you can do, I think, is to just focus on the companies. And, you know, I was listening to Invest Talk actually, uh, as I was doing a little bit of housework, getting ready to go. And uh, Justin Klein, the host, uh, was talking about having strong opinions that are loosely held. Dude, I love that. That is so fantastic. It reminds me of a David Hume quote that says a wise man proportions his belief to the evidence. And I just think that's the smart way to go. Have your opinion, but always, always be open to new evidence, just dropping like a bombshell and changing your opinion. And I, you know, I guess that's kind of what happened with Intel. I mean, for a while there, I was all on board on Intel, and I guess I kind of got sold by Pat Gelsinger, the CEO. You know, they did a, a dividend. They, they didn't do a dividend investor update. They do pay a dividend, which they cut, but they just did a regular old investor update today, and their stock dropped 6% after the update on their, their turnaround plan to become a chip manufacturing company that can compete with the likes of Taiwan Semiconductor. In a nutshell, they're changing their financial reporting to give their foundry business, which is IFS, Internal Foundry Service, their own P&L, Profit and Loss Statement, 
which is a new reporting structure that's going to hopefully for them control costs, trimming up to, I think it was like 10 billion in expenses over the next several years. But they got a lot of catching up to do and they hope to catch up to TSMC by 2026 so they can compete for contracts from companies like Apple, NVIDIA, Qualcomm, for they're making high high performance chips is the whole thing that they want to do and as they said uh david zinsler i think the cfo said this is their highly uh capital intensive spending and investing was 22 23 24 i believe uh so 25 26 is when we might start seeing the fruits of all this investing and reaping the rewards but it's a while it's a while and it's going to be choppy. And quite honestly, I was thinking I probably should have gotten out of them. I sold off most of the shares I bought under 30 bucks. I had almost 30 shares that of that sold those for a gain, but I still hold a hundred with like a $40 and I think 17 cent cost basis. But hey, more power to them. They're hoping to achieve gross margins of 60%. And if you don't know what a gross margin is, all that it is, and I, because I got the, I wanted to make sure I gave you the right way of saying it, it's the percentage of revenue that a company retains after deducting the direct costs associated with producing those goods or services. And one other little interesting thing, you know, they're selling stakes in Mobileye. Uh, they sold 20, they're planning to sell 20% of their subsidiary IMS nanofabrication to Bank Capital for $4.3 billion. They're raising money, they're selling things. And, you know, it looks like the AI hype might be dying down a little bit because today also AMD, Qualcomm, and NVIDIA were all down today. But do you know what's not down? Pizza. If you've ever wanted good, good quality pizza, you might want to try Pizza Pizza. It sounds like I was doing an ad read, right? So Pizza Pizza, uh, as I look at my spreadsheet that I put together for you, that is the monthly dividend stocks. It's a video I got coming out. Life happened. I wanted to get it out before my little Florida trip. I'll be back on Tuesday. It's a busy, busy time. Dude, I'm a busy. He's, he's a, a busy, busy little, little bee. bee. I'm a busy bee. I came across an interesting company from Canada. Yeah, the Great White North up there. America's hat, they call it, is Pizza Pizza stock. Uh, ticker PZRIF. They own Pizza Pizza Shout out if you're from Canada, because they own about, I think, 300 or so Pizza Pizza restaurants, and they also own Pizza 73 brand, founded 1967. Interesting looking company. Yeah, they've had a few problems growing their dividends, but I think some of that from the what I'm looking at could be FX, but yeah, their free cash flow payout ratio, 90%. They're not a REIT from what I understand, but anyway... Looks interesting. If you ever wanted to say you own a pizza company, there you go. And they are not the Canadian Little Caesars. I wanted to say Little Sneezers. Don't know why, but they are a $366 million micro cap company. Again, 11 bucks a share, 5.5% dividend yield. You might want to take a look at them. I'll have a link to the Seeking Alpha summary below for Pizza Pizza Royalty Company Corporation Company thing over there up in Toronto, Canada. Enough talking about pizza. 
we're going to get to the bell of the ball, which is the top 10 monthly dividend stocks. And this comes to us from a Seeking Alpha article. Okay, and the cool thing here about the Seeking Alpha article is that you can read it for free. They listed, so they ranked 58 monthly dividend stocks and analyzed them. As I'm looking at my, there I saw a black shadow moving out of the corner of my eye. I was like, it's a ghost. No, it's Mr. Louie. Mr. Poop, we call him for no, well, I call him that for no reason in particular. That's right, buddy boy. Okay, where were we before he so rudely interrupted me? Because he needs love and affection. What's the matter with him? He should be more like people. We don't need love and affection. We go to Netflix for that. Ticker NFLX. We're going to go through these a little bit quickly. So number one, they did a lot, but I'm just going to give you the top 10. Click the article link in the description below if you would like to uh, read it, disagree with them, maybe want some ideas. Again, I'm putting together a video. My top four monthly dividend stocks for dividends every week. Dude, I went through almost 100 monthly dividend stocks in ETFs to figure out when they pay their dividend, what week, and then I want to get four of those that I may actually do. I may do this, but without further ado, number one is Realty Income, ticker O. Now, you gotta, you know, most of you are going to know Realty Income, founded in 1969. They have over 11,000 properties, focused mainly on retail. Dude, over, spread across a thousand tenants in roughly 70 different industries. They are pretty well diversified. They're, check this out. They have triple net lease, which means the tenant does everything, which is awesome for them. But their occupancy rate has never dropped below 96%, even during the financial crisis and the pandemic. Dude, that's just because they got companies like Home Depot, 7-Eleven, Red Lobster, FedEx, Kroger, Tesco, Walgreens, CVS, Walmart, Dollar General. Just You'll see if you look at the report I'm reading from. And the best part, they do pay that monthly dividend that they've raised every year since 1994. The second stock, Main Street Capital, ticker M-A-I-N. They go back to the mid-1990s. They have a current dividend yield of 7%. They have uninterrupted dividends for 14 years. And I didn't tell you that Realty Income's uninterrupted dividends is 53 big years up there. Uh, Main Street Capital is a BDC. They're probably the safest because they're one of the biggest BDCs. They've never cut their dividend since they made their first payout in 2007, which is awesome. And I've done it in a video that if you would have bought them in 07, you would have well gotten back all the money that you just from dividends and special dividends from that very first tranche. They're pretty spread out all over the place, over 150 companies, no investments, over 5% of the portfolio's income, no industry is more than 10%. They have pretty, pretty well diversified. They're also f mostly in first lien loans, which means if there was a default, they get paid first. They're first in line to get paid. So this is uh, pretty good protection for those of us who do invest. 
And they also, I believe, have a lot of spillover, which is like an offset. It's kind of like your rainy day fund. So if need be, they could tap into that to feed feed the dividend. Okay, moving along on our list. Number three, Agree Realty, ticker ADC, 4.4% dividend yield, 10 years uninterrupted. Dude, they've been around since 1971. As I've done in sudden videos before, they look like a bit of a clone for a uh, realty income. They look like a realty income clone is what I was trying to say. They have over 1,600 freestanding single tenant properties. Check out some of their tenants. Target, Sam's Club, McDonald's, AutoZone, Ross, NT National Tire and Battery. Dude, Chick-fil-A. You want to be a Chick-fil-A landlord? Well, <laughs> Agree Realty is where it's at. Costco, Walmart, uh, dude, Wawa. They got Wawas in there, Trader Joe's, all kinds of stuff. And it again, no, uh, no tenant is more than 10% of their rent. So I, or no, I'm sorry, no, <laughs> let me just read it. ADC also diversifies across retail industries with none accounting for more than 10% of rent. So there you go with that. And they collect ninety, nearly 90% of their rent during the depths of the pandemic. So not quite as good as realty income, but they are up there. Is Agree Realty, which I think uh, my guy Darth Dividend uh, was the first one to, to tell me about Agree Realty. But he invests in a lot of stuff. I think he has like 200 positions or something. Positions? Okay, number four. Stag Industrial, this one I do invest in. You know me, Stag. I'm a super tall athletic guy, but they are single tenant acquisition group. I just made that up about myself. 4% dividend yield, 10 year uninterrupted streak. They're more into what I do, like industrial buildings and warehouses, distribution centers, light manufacturing facilities. They were formed in 2003. They own over 500 of those such aforementioned industrial facilities. Uh, they're a mid-cap REIT. And again, single-tenant properties, mostly in small markets. And they are, operate across more than 40 different industries. Almost half of Stag's properties are in the e-commerce realm, which is pretty good because, you know, everybody's worried about, oh, no, e-commerce and the brick-and-mortar so that's what Stag does. I invest in Stag. I invest in realty income. I invest in Main Street Capital. But the thing to know about Stag, though, is they're still a cyclical REIT because their tenants operate in the economy-sensitive markets like the automotive components, building products, machinery, and containers like that. So they're one that's a little bit, you know, I, I would be a little bit more cautious on stag realty but again the the industry that they're in with industrial real estate is fragmented and they can pretty much grow and they have a real big runway for growth i believe number five <clears throat> right back up to the great white north is rio can ticker r-i-o-c-f 5.4 percent dividend yield now they say zero year uninterrupted streak but I know with the Canadian FX, sometimes that looks like a cut. 
So you got to be careful there. They're one of Canada's largest REITs. They own over 200 shopping centers and mixed-use properties in large high-density markets like Troncho with the Maple Leafs, Ottawa over there with the Senators, and Calgary with the Flames. Good old Calgary. They focus uh, primarily on grocery-anchored shopping centers and those mixed-REIT, mixed-used properties so they should be able to pay that reliable dividend Uh, grocery pharmacy and liquor stores are 20 percent of their rent essential personal services are 14 percent and value retailers are 11 percent so hey 85 percent of their their rent comes from tenants with what they say is stable rent paying ability strong covenants and sustained foot traffic you know that reminds me some of the the way some of this stuff is written i'm trying to filter it so it's easier to be more conversational dude when those i i kept thinking propeller head in in uh with intel the way they talk, I'm like, come on, nobody's talking like this. Like, just speak plain, please. You know, not, I don't, I'm not going to try and do it, but I got a few more to get through. Number six is TransAlta Renewables. This is what I was considering. They're a week four payer, I believe. Ticker TRSWF, 7.8% dividend yield, 8% uninterrupted. They were created in 2012. They are in the power generation facilities and they, uh, so they're, they have a parent and sponsor, which is TransAlta Corporation, and they own around 60% of TransAlta Renewables. So they have uh, about 50 power generation facilities, which is primarily wind and natural gas, but they also have hydro, solar facilities are a bit of a smaller portion of the cash flow. So, yeah, they've been paying uninterrupted dividends since going public in 2013, which reflects the highly contracted nature of TransAlta, which I like that. I like when these REITs and these landlords, they have contractual rent coming in. That's nice. As long as they can keep it going, where TransAlta has an average contract length of 11 years. So that's pretty, pretty predictable cash flow from Fixed fee power purchase agreements. Say that fast. Fixed fee purchase power. I couldn't do it. Fixed fee power purchase agreements. Fixed fee power purchase agreements. (laughs) Anyway, so that was TransAlta. But also do know that because they are Canadian stock, like RioCan, that there's tax implications. And I think you have to, you can get that money back. We're not going to get into it in this episode. But I will have a link also down below for the tax implications of owning a Canadian stock, if you want to check that out. Number seven is Gladstone Investment Corporation, ticker, ticker, G-A-I-N, 7.3% yield, 12 years of uninterrupted dividends. They were formed in 2005 as an externally managed BDC. Now, Main Street is an internally managed BDC, meaning that the people, the the C-suite inside of Maine are the one that makes all the decisions and they manage their own business. But with Gain and like Aries, Aries is ex, uh, ARCC, Aries Capital, is externally managed by Aries Management, uh, ticker A-R-E-S. So this is an externally managed is Gain. 
and they do the same thing. They try to help these small businesses that may be too big for like your local bank, but they're too small to get, you know, uh, funding from some of the ginormous banks. So that's where companies like Aries and Gain come in is uh, what they do, but they've paid uninterrupted dividends since 2010. And the only knock on them, though, is their portfolio has about 25 companies spread over a dozen industries. So that's a little bit limited diversification. But hey, one of their consumer products companies is Funko. Funko Pops, those little dolls that kids get and buy. And I think my daughters have some. I don't know. All right, a couple more to get here. Uh, another one is Gladstone Land. Number eight, ticker G L A N D. Ticker L-A-N-D, that is. 3.2% yield, seven years. This is one I'm also considering. They go back to 1997. I listened to their earnings call. The They have oh, they own more than 150 farms. And the funny thing is that uh, Mr. Gladstone, I don't remember his name. He's still the CEO. And he speaks very, very, very much like we do. It's funny because like he was talking about the droughts and then flooding and he would say, look, we're in things like raspberries and almonds and strawberries and peas and pistachios. So if you want to help, you know, we're on most of the grocers. You want to help our farms out, go and buy those things and they're good for you too. So kind of funny, but yeah, they have uh, farms that are leased to more than 80 farming tenants who grow about 60 different types of of mostly specialty crops, which is uh, rather than commodities like corn and soybeans. So they're kind of like specialty crops, as I just told you. 90% of their revenue is from fixed rent payments, with uh, most of the rest from revenue sharing agreements tied to the crop sales. And it's kind of a cool thing. One of the reasons I'm considering them is that kind of like gold, farmland is really interesting because they're not making any more of it uh, a lot of farms that have been sold to developers so if anything it's like shrinking is farmland and it's cash flowing unlike gold so it has intrinsic value which is the land that it grows things on but it also has that cash flow component so like warren buffett would much rather invest in a farm than in gold because gold like he says you can pet it and fondle it but it just sits there and a thousand years from now that ounce of gold will still be the same ounce of gold and it it holds value is what it does but it doesn't have any cash flow component to it unless you sell it so that was gladstone land and it has a little bit of a lower dividend yield but it's actually at a low point right now. It's like 16, just under 17 bucks. Number nine is SLR Investment Corp, ticker SLRC, 11.5% dividend yield, seven years uninterrupted dividends, founded in 2007. They're another externally managed BDC. Remember what we said BDCs do? They help the mid level, middle market businesses get loans. And then they're going to get, you know, part of sometimes they take equity stakes in them. But anyway, so they're just as in a nutshell, they're another BDC. They work with over 700 companies across more than 100 industries. 
and they're not overly dependent on any single investment and they have an average exposure of just 0.1% of the total portfolio and just like Maine, almost all of their investments are first lien secured loans. So again, remember that's if a borrower, borrower defaults, they are paid first and they can seize property if the loans aren't repaid. So that's why I kind of like some of these BDCs that are in first lien. That's kind of important to look at. But their largest exposures, though, are tied to healthcare, diversified financial firm, life science. So they say that's mostly non-cyclical, but we'll see about that. And we'll see. And they're um, not immune to the BDC cyclicality in the industry. But they have conservative underwriting and a diversified portfolio. So could be pretty, pretty uh, interesting investment you might want to look at. And the last monthly dividend stock, number 10 for our list and our purposes, is Phillips Edison. No, they don't do electricity. They do shoppings, grocery stores, shopping groceries. So this one looked kind of fun because it's something you can understand. 3.3% yield, one year of uninterrupted dividends. They were founded in 1991. They own around 300 grocery-anchored shopping centers uh, in secondary or suburban markets uh, with the Sunbelt region driving halfly <laughs> rough of rent. No, roughly half of rent. So some of the stores that they own or they have in their property are Kroger, Publix, Safeway, those are around a third of their rent and none account for more than 2% of rent. And their management thinks that about 70% of their rent comes from tenants providing necessity-based goods and services. So you remember, it's not like TVs and lawn furniture. It's stuff that people need. So it could uh, prevent and give a little bit of insulation from the uh, online shopping. And they have a high occupancy, conservative payout ratio, their net operating income fell just 4% in 2020 during the pandemic. So that, I think, looks really interesting. And yeah, they're a one that kind of popped up on the radar. But uh, take a look at them and see if they might be right for you. That was Pico, ticker P-E-C-O. Well, people, I love you. <laughs> I got to edit this and do a little more packing and get to bed. And you know what? I really enjoyed talking with Sean last week. What a fun conversation. I really hope that you check that out and you will go back and take a gander at it. Take a listen if you missed it. And let me know. Always, you know, you can hit me up on Twitter at RustyRam78. I hesitate giving my website out because I'm about to transition because mine is expiring while I'm in Florida uh, the provide the host provider I use, and it's kind of had a few snafus. So maybe without a dividend, uh, maybe without a website there for a little bit. So, anyways, thank you for swinging on by. You can pop on. Let me know what your favorite dividend monthly paying stock is. That's not named Realty Income. That's the challenge. And yeah, check out the article. A lot of good information in there. And again, you know, I'm just gonna. Do what I can do to help you be a better dividend investor and share some thoughts with me and make me a better dividend. We'll be better together. All right, I love you. I got to get packing and going. Got places to go, people to see. I got Jeremy's and maybe even a Sean to see. I'll, I'll hit him up if, uh, if it works out. So 
I will talk to you in the next episode. So long, everybody.